This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today I'm super excited because we've got 10 tips for renovating and renovating for sale, really. Yeah. I, I wish there was a term for that. I don't I think know. there is. I feel like there's only one that's kind of pejorative. Yeah. I'm trying to think about it. Is it flip? I, I think it's flip, but right. uh, we're, we're not talking about that today. We're no, talking we're about talking renovating about, for we're sale. We're talking about buying something, renovating it very quickly and putting it back on the market. Yeah. But it's and not flips on how to it's do not that. Flips, yeah. But anyways, there's well, well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we we get to this, we don't have a guest because you were involved very recently in a project. We've worked with people over the years, many people who have engaged in renovations. And when we put the before and after photos on Instagram, there was a great number of people that wanted to find out more. So what we've done is we put together ten tips based on past experience how to renovate properties for sale. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say, and I'm going to just quickly also apologize because I was in Hawaii when a lot of people got in touch about questions about the renovation. A lot right. of them actually even owned properties that they were currently in a renovation. This is not an easy time to do rental work. A lot of it because it's hard to get materials. It's not easy. It's also hard to get trades right now. Like one thing that people did during COVID is they did repairs around their homes, right? So it's uh, a lot of trades are really, really busy. So it's just not an easy time if you don't have access to people and materials. That's exactly it. So that's part of it. We should timestamp this. Also, part of this is the buy process, right? Because you found a screaming deal yeah. in November of 2021. And that's not, that's saying something. I'm not going to pat myself on the back. Everything was selling in multiples at that time. And right. I feel like we're going to talk exactly how you found that deal. And I would say useful tips for finding a deal in any market. Yeah. And this is it. So for sure, we're going to talk about that. The other thing I will say is I run numbers on deals daily and this was a good deal. There was about a hundred other ones that we ran numbers on over the course of three months looking for something that were not good deals. It's hard to find good deals. So that's part of it as well. But before we get to that, Matt, this is an interesting time in the market. Again, to timestamp it, we just came off of Easter long weekend. One thing during Easter long weekend is uh, anyone that was on the market, a lot of them got skunked after the weekend in terms of expecting multiples and just didn't get the offers that came in or not hitting quite their reserve price. Yeah. You know what? I feel like the tail of the market over the last six weeks, I would say is interest rate increases. Yes. Fear around interest rate increases. The interest rate increases happening. A little bit of a bump, I think, due to people that had rate holds, but not quite the bump that, say, we saw in early 2018, where people were trying to get in because the stress test was becoming more difficult. That was like an, a prolonged bump in early 2018. I think everyone is kind of surprised that there hasn't been kind of that fervor 
uh, this time around. So the market is is spotty for sure. I feel like one way to describe it, at least in Vancouver, is we're still seeing multiple offers, but the froth, you know, the head of the beer has been cut off. Yes. Uh, the frothiness in the market, you know, you're seeing three, four offers on a property, as I saw earlier this week, where three of them were under asking, right? Yep. Three of four. Yep. With pre-inspections, great property. It's just a totally different time than even a month ago. Well, the way I think about it, it's so funny, but another thing just to kind of highlight is how listing prices, like the strategy, the marketing strategies are shifting. And one story that comes to mind is I had a, a client of ours reach out recently and he said he's on PCS and he has a favorites folder full of listings that he's monitoring, houses on the west side. He says, hey, what does it mean when all my favorites increase their prices by two to 300,000? And so this is, the, and it wasn't like one property, but everybody, uh, every, everybody in this list, you know, I guess they, they had a weekend where they didn't get their price. And they bumped their price by two, $300,000. So I think, um, yeah, another thing just to kind of highlight, we're going to see people asking what they want, not, not the uh, bait price anymore. I think that's going to be something that we're going to start seeing more of. The other thing we should talk about quickly is buyers, the buyers that are looking seem to be very serious right now. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, you're not getting 30 groups through an open house right now. You're getting five to, to 10 but those people are definitely serious. I, that, that's my take on it for sure. Definitely an interesting moment in the market. And it's going to be even more interesting as we move through this year. I'm thinking half point increase in June. I think everybody's thinking that. Right. So that's a full point in a relatively short period of time. Going to be interesting to see what the market does here. Uh, that's like a roundhouse kick to the face. I was going to say the 50 point. So the quarter point was like a jab. Yeah. I feel like this last 50 points like was, a flying knee. was like, no, yeah, maybe a hook. And then, uh, yeah, this is like the Bank of Canada. Tiff Macklem is uh, the karate kid here. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to be that full, uh, what do they call that? The uh, sw swan kick. Yeah. This is it the swan kick? I don't think so. I feel like the crane kick. The crane, the crane kick, kick, right. Yeah. <laughs> the this crane is a full kick crane to the kick Vancouver to the real estate market. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I think at the very least, people are going to, you know, we, we always joke about real estate being a sport in the city. Lots of people always watching everything. And anytime, you know, like, I, God, this was 2010 or so when, uh, when I feel like someone said to me, someone who had been selling real estate for 30 years in this city, said the media cycle has more impact on this market than anything else. And it's so true. You know what? It's moments like this that make me think about the overall durability of this market and the strength and kind of the fundamentals and the fundamental strength of it, mm -hmm. but the noise and how that noise year in, year out it just changes and how this narrative has shifted so dramatically so quickly, right? Right. I mean, I feel like if we were reading the news in May, you know, the sky's the limit. And now we're talking about, you know, oh, this real estate, was it ever a good investment? <laughs> Should anyone ever actually own their home? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's a lot of ridiculous voices out right now, specifically, <laughs> specifically. And all you have to do is check Twitter for that. But, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Why don't we cut to this conversation about 10 tips, 10, 10 exciting tips about renovating a home for sale. Some might call it flipping. <laughs> Some might. Uh, not, not us, us though. though. No, not us. Stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. 
Marcon is not only committed to high quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Okay, so we're here, Adam, talking 10 tips. 10 tips. For renovating to sell. Yes. Let's go. All right, so here it is, Matt. And and I want to say before we start this, I'm fresh off a renovation, but we've been helping people over the past 10 years or more, actually, I should say, with renovation projects in the city of Vancouver and surrounding areas. We've also done a number of renovation projects on our own. So this is uh, something that we are taking like 10 tips from really just experience. Like what would we, if somebody sat down with us at a coffee meeting and said, what were your biggest takeaways? These are kind of them, right? These, these are takeaways from the trenches. Right. So let's go. Number one, focus on condos. Well, here's the thing. And we've both renovated. You're in the middle of a renovation with a house. I've just built a house. We renovated another house in East, on the east side. They, they take a long time. Let's be clear about that, especially if you're going with permits which you know, a lot of people will be, go- if they want to avoid getting a stop work order, you just permits alone, you're probably not getting started until six months kind of down the road, right? So condos, the nice thing about it is strata approvals can happen in a very quick timeline. You can be in and out of that project in under four months. You're dealing with a lot of systems in a single family home. Right. In a condo, those are common property for the most part. You don't have to worry about it. Mostly aesthetic. Keep it simple, stupid. You're doing bathrooms, you're doing kitchens, you're doing flooring, you might be painting. Scraping the ceilings. Scraping that sort of the ceilings. Thing. It's it, the rest, the real complicated stuff. Leave that for the strata to deal yeah, with. Yeah, and I and I love I love condos in just that the, the, the returns are there and the timelines are really, really quick. Perfect. Number two, create a detailed search when you're looking for the property to renovate, to sell. What do we mean here? Yeah. So again, anyone that listens to our program is familiar with private client services. What I do is, is basically, it doesn't have to be PCS, but what you want to be on is you want to be... But PCS, let's be clear, is probably the best search out there. It is a great, it's a great way to search for real estate. Now, one thing that I do and that I've done for a number of clients over the years is setting up a PCS search. So you pick the sub markets that you're interested in. Generally speaking, I focus on the markets that are always active, even in softer markets. Like for example, the last project that we did was in Mount Pleasant. Um, right. Generally speaking, Mount Pleasant, there's always a lot of buyers looking in that market. So I had a I had a city of Vancouver search 
I also searched for certain areas in Burnaby and certain areas in North Vancouver that are, are very popular and kind of continue to be popular kind of all the time. So I set this search up for those parameters specifically. And, and let me just put a fine point on this. So these are areas you know intimately. Yes. And you're not looking at 30 different neighborhoods. No. You're, you're focused on, on a couple that you know well, you know what the buyers are looking for, and you're monitoring that like a hawk. Exactly. And the other thing about them is they're, they're urban markets. They're markets that are, are super walkable. So they're very location-based, I would, I would argue. So you're setting that up. You're setting your price parameters, whatever your price parameters are. You're being very specific. There's, there's ways you can actually search based on age of the building to make sure that it's something, obviously you're not including, you know, stuff that was 2010, built in 2015 or whatever, yeah. right? So you can be very specific to tailor, tailor the search. And then the other thing that you really want to do is you want to include different types of ownership. So for example, I have a separate search for power of attorney. And I also have a separate search for court-ordered sales and for estate sales. And the reason I have that is because we've talked about it on the program before. These are often mean that there's multiple owners. The property could be in a distressed state and uh, there could be an opportunity there. Okay. So are you looking specifically when, when so we're talking court-ordered sales, estate sales, are you looking only at those or is there a separate two searches? Search? So the two searches are the one that's classified as the ownership, like we talk about, talked about. And then I also have a separate search that's more of a generic search that kind of captures everything. And so I will give much more precedent to um, the search that is the one that's classified by the court order sale or foreclosure or power of attorney, just because the opportunities are more often. Okay. So can we talk a little bit about, you set these searches up. Yes. As we've talked about on the show, the nice thing about private client services, apart from the pitch we'll do at the end with sold prices, days on market, that type of thing, is that it sends you an email when a listing matches your search criteria. Let's talk about when you're looking for a project like this, like how are you approaching it? An email comes in at 10 in the morning. The one biggest takeaway for any of this, and this is from, you know, even talking about developers and, and when a deal comes across your desk, you have to look at it. And if you don't look at it, you know, you'll probably regret that a few days later. The people that will explore an opportunity immediately are the ones who are going are gonna to find the deals. And so this means basically, you know, if I'm out for dinner with my family and that search comes up, I'm clicking it. I'm seeing it. I can, I can usually you're going, go with them. You're going to the washroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm creating an opportunity to look at it. And if it, if it looks like a real opportunity, I'm exploring it right away. One of the things I've, I mean, and we both do this, but it, I always think about it because I often think of the house you're in right now. Right. You saw a deal on a street you were really excited about, a house you were really excited about. You presented an offer within... I basically brought an offer with me to the show. Exactly. It was like within minutes, yeah. I think the, the listing agent at that time who wasn't really in, super engaged in the market, which again presents an opportunity, was probably like, what is going on here? This guy is is all over this. Yeah. Um, and you don't, but you don't allow, basically it's sold before, before other people often get a chance. Well, usually it takes time and we've talked about this on this show a lot, but usually it takes a long time. And by a long time, I mean, you know, a couple of days to really sense what, how the market's going to respond to a new listing, right? I mean, if you post it, you might not get anything. The next day you might get Especially 15 Especially if you're calls. not super active in that 
in that market. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know what the read's going to be on this type of property and you post it, and if someone, if, if you get one call and that call comes with, you know, someone who's excited and an, and an offer, now you're thinking, well, wait a second, I've only had one call on this place. Granted, it's, it's turning into an offer, but you know, should I wait? Is tomorrow going to necessarily result in, in more calls and another offer? Or should we deal with what's on the table right you now? You often hear the first offer is the best offer. Which well, uh, I don't think is necessarily the case, yeah. but, but, it, but it is a saying that you hear. Well, this is the thing. And so, uh, you know, just in thinking about some of the deals that we've capitalized on in the past with clients, it's often been either the property was mislabeled, like the number of bedrooms wasn't correct or the number of bathrooms wasn't correct. And, and we knew otherwise. So checking the history of the property, diving deeper into it, perhaps the agent, it doesn't work in that market. And so they don't know what's going on in that submarket. It could be an out-of-town agent or an agent that's, you know, works in Chilliwack who's listing something downtown. You know, specialization in, in a market really matters. And then on top of that, you know, no photos, which we've talked about before, learn to love no photos. So if you will take that extra step to look, to find if you can find out photos or go and visit the property, it's a lot of work. But the opportunities will present themselves. So without going into specifics, we posted the the photos of the before and after of this of this recent renovation, renovation, renovation to sell. Can we talk? Because that was a very, very busy moment. I just want to hear, like, walk us through that process. Because basically, for an outsider looking in, that was a screaming deal in a super hot market. Like, how did that go down? Yeah. So we were at the uh, we, we were at the office. There's a few people. Were they at the waiting office. on offers? Uh, no. So essentially it was a power of attorney sale. I was at the office. I was getting ready to leave the office and my phone, my, I had a PCS notification come in. So I had my jacket on, I had my bag on, I had everything. I was walking You're ready out the to door. go home and watch friends. <laughs> yeah. Screw you. <laughs> uh, uh, I took off my jacket. I, I went back to my, my desk and I was like, I got to look at this. So I looked at it. I called the agent. It was on lockbox. It was on my drive home. I went immediately to the property on the drive home and uh, I had an offer to him essentially once I got home. And that's, that's kind of how this one went down. I pressurized the situation in the sense that I left it open, not a lot of time, kind of forced the decision. Fantastic. Okay. So we've done focus on condos. We've done created detailed search. Number three, understand the resale market. And what we mean here is Every one of these projects, as much as you're looking at the deal, you're looking at who is the buyer on the way out. Right. And, and so this is the thing. And I, and it was an entry level price point. You know, I, I've kind of looked right up to about 1.3 or 1.4 in condos. This was on the lower end. One nice thing is, is the area when you're looking at a certain sub area, you also have to think of who the buyer is. Mount Pleasant, if it's like an entry level price point, that's a really great market to be in. And just for the fact that there's always young people that want to be in Mount Pleasant. So if there's still a competitive price point for the market overall, and it's a beautiful place, you'll, you'll find your buyer. Same thing goes for say Kits, for example, or, you know, many of the different areas, lower Lawnsdale areas that are exciting for for young people. If you're looking at a higher price point, it might be a downsizer market that you're catering to. It, it just really depends. The key thing here is, is that, when you're looking in any one of these markets, and we just looked at a deal the other day where it was basically the big debate was, who's the buyer here? Who's the buyer? It was a smaller two bed in a location in where a it's probably a market. downsizer market. Yeah. And you're like, all right, if you're moving from a house, 
this this is too small. It's too, too small. Two bed, one bath. It doesn't appeal to the to. It, it's a it's too quiet of a neighborhood for people moving up through the market. You know, or a lot of people. That's uh, the, the debate, market might not right? Be there. It almost seemed it was like a junior two bed, and the buyer is likely you know a young couple or a, or a young single. And do they want to live in this area that is primarily downsizers? Right. You're going to be the youngest person there by about 35 years. Yeah. So you might move there if your grandma lives down the street. <laughs> Needless to say, that deal didn't happen. Okay. So we've got one is focus on condos. Two, create a detailed search. Three, understand the market that you're selling at the end of this project. Four, Run your numbers today. What do you mean? Well, here's the thing too, because it's so, especially in a market like we've been in for the last two years, it's so easy to be optimistic and think, oh, you know what? Well, the market's going to go up. And so you factor that into your, into your market's numbers. It's going to do 9% in the next three months, right? Yeah. Therefore, I can overpay for this. And I just, I, I can't disagree with that logic more. I run the numbers for today. So it's kind of like if, if I, if I think, Whatever the comps are telling me at this exact moment on my exit price, so I'm I'm figuring out I'm running comps based on renovated units in the immediate area. If I can get them in the building, that's fantastic. If not, I'm going to the sub area and looking for similar sized units, similar aged buildings, renovations. What have they sold for? And I'm comping them out as close as I can to the purchase date, and I'm working my numbers backwards from those those numbers. I'm not adding a a three percent for you know each month or something like that. And I think people that do that, that's the, that gets scary because you're, you're basically adding a buffer and a buffer that's not going to pan out necessarily. A buffer buffer that doesn't exist. And if the market goes up, it's, it's just gravy. Well, exactly. So let's, let's do the back of the napkin numbers here. Okay. Uh, Can we do this? You look, you look at a deal without factoring in any appreciation. What are some of the costs you're factoring in and how does that look on say a 600 square foot one bed? Okay. So I, I think, and it depends because I've got a, I've got like a price per square foot kind of one bed, two bed renovation costs that I use that I've worked out with my contractor. So my contractor who uh, I've been working with for a very long time, they know exactly generally square footage and our level of renovation, what it costs to do a one bed and a two bed. So I already have those numbers to work with. So what I look at is the purchase price, what I'm planning on, on paying for the property, if I can get it. I'm adding PTT, I'm adding closing property costs. Property transfer tax, yeah, property notary transfer. fees, lawyer fees. Exactly. So all my, all my closing costs, I'm adding the renovation costs. I'm adding carrying costs, which obviously includes your insurance on the property, your maintenance fees that you're going to be carrying. Then I have realtor fees because I don't, I don't sell them myself. I pay an agent. I have to pay a buyer's agent. I have to pay a seller's agent. Right. And at the end of the day, then I have to make the profit and we hope to make you know 15 plus percent on each of these. Okay, so fifteen percent is a lucky number, and uh, and and that's generally the base, right? Like we're you're not taking on a project for it much just, less than that. It just has to make it has to make sense, and obviously, if the market does better, you know, there's some there's some significant wins that we've seen that go well beyond that. But we're not going to take any any further steps to explore the property if the numbers aren't there, um, mostly because it's it's not a it's. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of time. So it doesn't. And, and, and there's risk, right? There's always risk. There's huge risk for sure. Yeah. Time, energy, risk. Those are three things uh, that you need to get paid for. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Number five, don't clean, clean. Yeah. 
And this is uh, this is one we've kind of covered on other shows, which people that listen to our program will will be familiar with, as as familiar as learn to love no photos. Don't clean clean is the idea that you don't go into something that is clean enough for an end user already. So really, there's always you're trying to limit your your burn cost uh, or burn factor. So going into something that still that is maybe original but very clean and looks good. It doesn't mean that it won't work. It just it's uh, it's better to find something that's absolutely you know people don't want to take their their shoes off because uh, they'll get their socks dirty kind of thing. You yeah, want a you, crime scene. You you want a crime scene. And here's what I always one thing that I consistently see in this market, and I I would guess any market is for a regular person. First of all, the unwillingness to take on a project, which I don't blame. I don't blame anybody. It's, it's, it's a headache, no matter how you slice it, but the inability to see potential, right? Mm -hmm. If you're competing with people that are like, Hey, I just have to put a paint, fresh coat of paint and new appliances. Everybody can see that. Right. Right. I think where the value is, there's a value add is to be able to look past all sorts of things and to reimagine the property, uh, with some work and, and see that finished project. And I think that's, what you guys do really well. Well, and the other thing, the other thing that I would say to add to that is the biggest challenge in the past 18 months has been competing with end users because in markets where there's so little inventory and everybody's fighting over trying to get into an area, people start making exceptions. So if there's something clean enough for someone to move into, that's a problem for the renovator because now that couple can move in there and maybe they they paint before they take possession or they do the flooring before they take possession and they're willing to chip away at the property. Now, end users can always pay more than the renovator. They, you know, cause they can, they, if they can save 20 grand to do the renovation themselves, that's just a little bit of sweat equity that they're kind of willing to put into. A lot of people are willing to put into the property. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. so it's, it's one of those things. So you don't typically want to be in a position where you're competing with end users, you want to be competing with either other renovators or you want to be the only offer on the table. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution.
We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. Okay, that is don't clean, clean number six. We're over halfway there. This is, uh, we're moving fast. I had three cups of coffee before this. <laughs> Look for immutable qualities. This is my notes. I don't think that's what you would say. No, no, that's not. I'm going to have to get a thesaurus for this or uh, a dictionary. But yeah, no, I think I think uh, what you're trying to say is is basically you're trying, it's the bones. Go after the bones, good bones. That, that is exactly it. Now, what are we talking about there? Um, so, vaulted ceilings? Yeah, well, that's a great example. So vaulted ceilings, lots of windows, lots of natural light. It's got to be at least a, a B plus B or better building, I think. In a lot of cases, it's got to be a building that you can that you can sell in. Really, really hot markets favor all buildings, but uh, as we see, if if the market shifts, you don't want to be caught with a building that that when people have selection, right? Um, and then on top of that, things that you can really kind of floor plans that you can work with, so good storage, you know, good plans, floor plans that you can manipulate. So either adding a bedroom, turning a den into an extra bedroom, potentially adding another bathroom. So you're you're really looking for ways to really improve the property. Right. Or have a, a property that with a little bit of work is going to shine and have those features that the market really, really favors, but for whatever reason is not looked at favorably in this well, situation. Yeah, exactly. You kind of unlock the potential of a property. And and that's and that's really what it is, is like you, when you see the the goal property, a lot of people can can see the potential, depending how good the features are. But, you know, if you walk into a dated 80s building, but it has, you know, overheight ceilings and a beautiful skylight over the kitchen or something, a lot of people are going to pick up on the fact that this could be a beautiful renovation. There are sub, more subtle ways to see potential in the property. And Often that's maybe adding a cheater to a, a bathroom, a cheater access to a bathroom in a one bed or, or turning something into a larger closet, like a walk-in closet in a bedroom by, by maybe stealing a, a linen closet that's not necessary or, or something to that effect, right. right? One of my favorite components of this last one you guys did was the laundry room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this was a building that had grandfathered in an, a certain number of laundry Units and this building, so so all the comps that had sold, very few units had laundry. So it's it's actually which is a, huge, which, which is, is a huge thing, right? Yeah. So it was we were able to kind of capitalize on vented, uh, a vented dryer and proper laundry in a building that then that wouldn't typically have that. So that was uh, that was obviously something that was a no brainer. Number seven, make it easy on the seller. And I'll preface this with, uh, this is, this sounds easy to do, but one of the things just operating in this market and doing what we do, I feel like this is a lot easier for people that are doing transactions frequently or are involved in this market. It's like your risk tolerance over time, I feel like goes up and up and up to the point where you'll take on anything yourself and, yeah. and you don't sweat it. But, but what do you mean when you mean? 
when you say make it easy on the seller? Yeah. So make it easy on the seller is, is the idea is obviously you want to have a super competitive, easy offer. And this is particularly attractive when it's like a power of attorney or it's a family dealing with something where there's too many cooks in the kitchen. You don't want to complicate things. And, and I think this is, is beneficial just overall. Like my, my contract in many cases, when we're working for buyers, there's, you know, three pages of clauses and every clause in the book. And we're oh, trying to protect the people. Due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Make exactly. sure that everybody's covered, you know, and depending on what, what our client's risk tolerance is for a particular purchase, right? My offers are usually about, you know, three or four clauses in, in, in the contract. Very, very little. And I try and do as much due diligence up front. So often I will put a, a subject free offer. Um, I'll try and attach a draft. I'll do anything I can to kind of get the price so that I can make money on the buy. And a clean enough contract where they're reading that contract in a couple minutes. They're reading. They're not exactly. trying to decipher who pays a special levy. Exactly. And that's, I think the key is, is uh, I've learned this from agents over the years who have done incredible in terms of picking up lots, um, builder lots, very little to do, like don't overcomplicate it. And, um, when you have that confidence about the building or the product, you know, you just want to confirm that everything that you, you think you're buying is, is there. And, uh, right. you've you been know. told this is the parking you put that in. Yeah. I, and I think that's the, and I think that's kind of the, the, the biggest thing. So just make it as simple as you can on, on the seller. And, uh, that goes a long way. Well, and you know what, this is, goes back to past guest fan favorite Todd Talbot, who spoke about, you know, basically buying a hoarder house where he, he was like, leave it all. We'll take care of We've that. We've done that as well. We exactly. weren't successful on the, on one of the buys, but yeah, like that's exactly it. Like we'll take care of all the junk removal, anything that you can do so that they're just like, oh, we're done. And we yeah. hit whatever our target was for right. sale. And just to kind of one more thing to say about that is, and we've talked about this on this show, what's going to be interesting to watch when the market balances, because it will eventually, but when the market balances, what will be fascinating. We'll, we'll see everybody go back to seven day subject periods. And yeah. It's already it doesn't become mandatory and we'll see everybody say deposit within 24 hours of subject removal and all these balanced market mechanisms will come back into place. I think there's going to be a lot of smart people out there that still use certain tactics that we've been forced to use over the last right. 24 months to be super competitive and that's how they'll get deals because Just look at like take on more risk. Well, this is it. Like if I'm out there and I'm shopping and I go, okay, you know, it's a balanced market, but this is a great property or a great deal. Do I really need the seven days to sort out my financing? I mean, I, a lot of brokers will do it in two or three days, right? So being tight on your conditions or upping your deposit amount or putting that deposit in hand or attached to the offer. These are all ways that you can find leverage in a balanced market. Make it easy on the seller, number seven. Number eight, in 180-degree contrast, learn when to walk away. Yeah, and this was, uh, there's been a lot of these. First of all, if the numbers don't pencil out, don't fudge them to, to if you're excited about a property. Excited. Don't get, too, get excited. too excited. Don't Don't let optimism sneak in and trust your gut for sure. But the other thing is, is there's sometimes unnecessary risk. And I would say one of the biggest ones is, when you're thinking about what you have to sell when the project's done, one of them is what state is the building in. And, and that's the biggest thing. Like it's got to be, the, the unit can be a home run if you do it right and you, you know what you're doing. 
the building is is not under your control. So you just got to make sure that whatever you're buying is is highly marketable and you can't get caught with a levy cuz there there goes your there goes your basically your profit margin right. and you can't have anything looming that's too severe on the sell side because it, there's a good chance that a lot of buyers are going to be scared away. There's also a chance that that lenders won't lend on the property depending on how severe it is. Well, that's the thing. So, yeah, in any market lenders are are a risk. I would say over the last 18 months, you know, people are willing to take on all sorts of potentially large projects to find the place. Right. Right. The minute there's a shift in the market, it's amazing how much more concerned buyers get. Yeah. <laughs> You're seeing it already that, right that now. Looming like, roof wait project. a second. Wait a second. That's coming up in 2029. And I don't think so. I'm yeah. walking on this. Uh, and it, and it, and it happens in a, in a minute. So, uh, you know, we were talking about one the other day with, uh, what was that a roof project coming up? So it was a, it was twofold. It was a building that, that I think would have at the price we would, I think we were trending towards, it would have been a, a slam dunk, but, uh, they had a, um, they had an envelope, uh, report, um, done by a, a leading engineer firm in the city that had, uh, just, it, it wasn't even a bad report, but it had the term water ingress kind of throughout. Um, that combined with a very expensive roof project was enough to just say, okay, this is not going to be, it, it's not, neither of these are going to be sorted out. Even though we have generally a cost structure, they're not going to be sorted out by the time we're marketing these. And this is going to be looming over the sale the entire time. So we're either going to be likely negotiating a holdback or potentially giving a discount to this buyer. But the other challenge is, you know, knowing that our market was more of an entry-level purchaser, one is they probably don't have the cash on hand to take on a project like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of enough to, to kind of terminate the, uh, the negotiation. And, 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 you know, it was good to kind of know that up front. You're better for it. You learned when to walk away, which is number eight. Number nine, winning relationships. Winning relationships, this is so, yeah, winning relationships or partnerships. I think this is the biggest thing is that don't do anything on a handshake, have everything spelt out in a shareholder agreement. Some people form companies, which is obviously easy and not expensive to do. Get a lawyer involved from day dot and make sure you understand exactly what the rules of engagement are between you and whoever you're doing projects with. And then the other thing is make sure that everybody on the team adds value. And, and, you know, in my opinion, money is, well, it's up to the person doing this. If, if, if money is enough of a value add, I'll leave that up to the listener. But generally speaking, we're, we're looking for people that can add value either from, you know, a general knowledge of the market or a general knowledge in terms of design or, or improvement. Or the trades, right? Yeah. Now I've had people approach me in the past about, Hey, we want to get into this. We don't have any connections. We got four people that are interested in teaming up and we got the money and maybe we'll find the contractor. Would you do a project like this hiring a general contractor? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I, and I, 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 that's I, what I've always said. It's like, no, that's, well, that's not, that, I, that doesn't work. I think the biggest fear is, and, I, and it depends on the market, right? It's, it's, we've had so many people on the program talking about going into markets and building a team. And you build that team up front. So you have to know who you're going to be working with. You have to have a general idea of their, of their cost structure. And a lot of people learn in, on the first one. One of the biggest lessons that a lot of people will learn, especially like Burr Method kind of throughout North America. But the big lesson is 
trades, getting trades down or, or maybe finding a new sub trade or, or using some of the trades that were involved, but not all of them. Vancouver, I feel like is unique or maybe similar to more expensive markets or, uh, you know, in the sense that trades are so busy that you're not grinding a trade and it's very challenging trying to get, trying to get them out. It's, it's very challenging to, to grind a trade. It's a lot of people aren't even going to trades, aren't even going to show up to quote on the project in many cases. So it's, you have to have a relationship kind of prior. You have to know, generally speaking, what you're going to be spending on the, on the renovation. Chances are, if you, if you're, if you're calling, if you're using the yellow pages to get a contractor out, your prices are going to inflate. They're going to be more than what you projected for the project. And uh, I, I would say it's not a good idea. Uh, one idea might be to link up with a contractor. You just got to figure out what your value add is. Well, that that's exactly. And maybe it. you're bringing the pro- property, right? Yeah. The, this is this is the challenge. I think your structure is, you know, everybody's in to keep the cost down and to make that make that nut on the way out. And uh, and for that, it's just like, hey, everybody's pushing the rock in the same direction. You need that structure, and I think that's a. That's a great point for sure. Last but not least, let's talk about marketing. Now, I have here penny smart, pound foolish marketing. I think you'd called it something else. Yeah. Well, this is so this is exactly what we've talked about on the show ad nauseum for years. But control and it's your the way we approach we approach every all, every single every listing. listing we take. Yeah. And it's it's so it's it's there's a general i mean there's custom marketing for for unique properties and specific properties but the reality is that the rollout never changes there's a way to roll properties out we're a staging market toronto and vancouver are staging markets even if you're furnished a partial stage is required it's it's a staging market and so so renovating a beautiful space and leaving it vacant or empty which you see you which you it, see a lot yeah i know and it's, it's like crazy it's crazy how much money you a, leave on the a table. A couple thousand bucks. Because you didn't want to spend and the money. And don't virtually stage in this situation either. Well, exactly. Stage it. Stage, exactly. It. stage it. So it's it's this idea. You do this beautiful, like you're in so deep already. Like take it over the finish line. Do the staging. Make sure that you get professional photos. Make sure that your, your marketing materials, there's video, there's a floor plan. Everything looks beautiful. And then roll the listing out correctly and do it in a way that it's, it's, it's strategic. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to win. Have everything prepared, have an understanding of the building, be able to answer all the questions, you know, handle any potential objections. And that's going to be what leads to success. But I got to say the marketing materials and the staging, I would never not stage a project. It just blows my mind when I see these renovated places without furniture. Well, here's the thing. End users or homeowners can always pay more than a renovator. And the reason for that in part is because they're going to live in the space and they can fall in love with the neighborhood. They can fall in love with whatever. What you want to do with the marketing is have somebody fall in love, Yeah, right? They, they want to live their, they're going to live their best life in this space. And, and they the, can get financing on it. And the way, and the way, <laughs> but the way to do that, this is, it, it, it goes back to, we've talked about so many times. The way to do that is to really spend the time on the marketing and make the space look phenomenal. And that's how you're going you're gonna to make that money back tenfold. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is, and I mean, not everybody is in this situation, but there are a lot of people that have equity in their homes or, or if you're doing anything on a line or, or with cash, the ability to be nimble and, and 
just make sure that you can you can kind of move and act and and close on something very quick or come up with a, a deposit. Just make sure that you can be very strategic on the buy because as we've said on this show a lot of times, you got to make money on the buy. You know what? There we have it, folks. 10 tips for renovating to sell. Uh, you know what, Adam? We're going to do the five wire. You have time to stick around for that? <laughs> Who's doing it? Am I? Am I? You're in the you? hot seat. All right. All right. Fine. Yeah. Let's do the five wire. The five wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. All right, Adam, question number one on the five wire. What's on repeat in your car right now? Encanto. In- yeah. yeah, Encanto. <laughs> when I'm not listening to that though, I'm uh, I'm listening to uh, Nail Tech on low with the windows up. <laughs> Nail Tech. <laughs> Jack Harlow. I uh, I just came across this guy. It's funny. I texted we're, a younger yeah, guy on the we're, team. We're 40-year-olds. Yeah, we're middle-aged said, men. Who's this Jack Harlow? And then it turns out he's on the cover of Rolling the, Stone. Yeah, he just sent the laugh emoji. Uh, <laughs> Rolling eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just came across this guy. Pretty, pretty good. The other night you mentioned... Uh, a Pearl Jam covering a crowded house song. Oh man, that takes uh, that, me back to like the late nineties. That actually doesn't you doesn't exist it doesn't anymore. Exist. I've been searching for it. It's it's weird. Every once in a while, I I get it in my head and I Google it and try and find it. But I've been looking for that for years. So any any leads out there, let me know. <laughs> All right. Second question. What are you binge watching right now? Pregnant wife, you're presumably watching a lot of Netflix. You know what? I just finished Dope Sick. And uh, Dope Sick was incredible. Crushing. Absolutely incredible. I, I was, uh, I just, a uh, colleague from the office I just had lunch with today, I was, I did like the hard full court press pitch. Michael uh, Keaton. To, to watch Michael Dope Sick. Keaton. I feel like you watched that and you realize, I mean, everybody knew that guy was a genius before, but. You know what? It, it, it would be a really good thing for everybody in the lower mainland to watch because I feel like if anything, it, it opens your eyes to, uh, drug abuse in a way that you may not have your eyes open to. I was going to say uh, a, more em- a, very, a very empathetic look at the problems. Sure. Uh, that's for sure. One book you would recommend to all listeners. I'm actually, uh, I'm just in the, uh, just started listening to this. This was recommended. So I, I've listened, if you listen to the show, we talk about business books almost exclusively right. on this podcast, but I'm trying to, uh, deviate from the norm here. So I'm just pulling up my library. I'm listening to Endurance right now by Alfred Lansing. It's actually, it's about, well, it's about Shackleton. He's, uh, he was the, uh, one of the three British expeditions to the Antarctic. Oh, okay. All right. um, An adventure story. Yeah. It's crazy. It's actually, uh, talk about perseverance or should I say endurance? (laughs) And next up it's, uh, hundred years of solitude, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, because <laughs> we're going to Cartagena. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know what's crazy though is I I hadn't actually uh, I've never watched not only the Harry Potter series, but I've, I've never watched I've also the never Lord watched of the that. Rings uh, series or Me read neither. the books. And uh, I had a hard pitch to watch uh, Lord of the Rings lately, so 
I'm going to read that and I might, uh, well, I'm going to watch it first and I might read it. We'll see. We'll report back on that. It's uh, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, number four, one belief, practice, or habit that you have uh, taken on in the last year or two that has changed your life. Yeah, I would say uh, 100%, not to be an F45 sponsor here, but a 45-minute uh, workout once a day has been the habit uh, that's been game changer. You know what? It's incredible how quickly you go from like the slob dreading it. And I'm sure I still look like a slob walking over there, but I actually am uh, at a bounce in my step. You so know what else? After I would a couple say, of weeks. You know what else I would say is the other practice is long stints with absolutely no alcohol, like not even like a beer, like going for like 60 days here and there. Adding oh, I thought you were going to say 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so so sober months, and uh, and also I was thinking a, a hard contender here. Uh, we've all moved to stand up desks. Oh, stand up desks, yeah, is, absolutely, is, yeah. yeah. And you know what? The the game changer with stand up desks is you got to get a, a pad on the ground. Right, I you, did not without get the pad. shoes. Right, because then it becomes you're like half a nurse. You're like trying to figure out the best footwear to wear to the office. All right, and uh, I feel like we just kind of stole this. Something under fifteen hundred dollars. I'm thinking that bad. Something under fifteen hundred dollars you've bought in the last six months to a year that has transformed your life. I'm gonna go with the. A lot of people go with the AirPods. I'm going with the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch for me has been a game changer because I feel like. If I don't close my my rings, I'm uh, I'm kind of anxious about it. Like I I'm going to try and close my rings. I presented it's also the competition between us and right. many people at the office or right. in our lives. I I feel like I went to the doctor. I feel like I talked about this <laughs> in public sometime. But I went to the doctor. I presented him with reams of data for my watch. And See, he was, you wear it. Well, no, you no, no, no. And he yeah to keep. But he was like, I don't care. I don't really? care about any of this. That yeah. must be the most annoying thing as a doctor, right? <laughs> oh, I know. I, he's like, oh, sorry, what is that in the briefcase? And I was yeah. like, reams of data from my Apple Watch. <laughs> I printed it all. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have to. Uh, that's yeah. the whole point. Uh, here's the thing, though, is that if you if you are actually, uh, if you're sleeping with your watch on, I don't think I can do that. No, I didn't think I could either. But now I, I know when I get my eight hours. I'm also, I'm trying to get my phone out of the bedroom. I sleep with my phone like three feet away from me and it's, not good. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, still you're going Apple watch. That's it. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, I do oh, feel like both a... of us just plowed through about seven cups of coffee. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Yeah. You're feeling good. You're, you're about to crash. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I appreciate it. This is uh this has been a lifelong goal to be on this show. <laughs> Thanks for putting me in the hot seat today. So there you have it, folks. 10 tips for renovating to sell uh, with your co-host, Adam Scalina. Yeah, Matt, really enjoyed having Adam on the show. <laughs> Brilliant guy. It was fantastic. Uh, you know what, though? That was uh, that was fun. Hopefully somebody took something away from that. If anything, the biggest takeaway for me just in, in writing out these 10 rules was, I think the biggest thing is the action, right? And we've said it on this show a million times, but you got to be on top of things and you got to be prepared to take action. And uh, if you're not prepared to take action, you're going to be watching listings for a very, very long time. Well, and you know what? This goes down to even conversations I've had with people in the past who approach us and say, hey, I want to get into renovations. And then they're like, I'm going to hire a contractor. Right. And I often think like that alone is not enough. Like you have to be going after those relationships 
before you start looking at properties. That's the thing that HGTV leaves out, right? And I, I think that's the biggest thing because it's, and I hate making, I'm not making fun of anyone who watches HGTV and then no. thinks that they're a renovator, but I think there's real value to those shows. And there's a lot of people that just have really great eyes and they would be a huge asset. But the one thing that you don't see in those, in those shows is the fact that they're running a million different properties before they find one that maybe makes sense. The discipline and every day like to, to make that happen. And then on top of that, like building the team and structuring it so that it all makes sense, you know, before you take on a project like that, it's, it's just not as easy as being like, Hey, we can f- give it a paint job and it's going to be beautiful. And exactly. We're make a lot of money. So. Not, not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. But yeah, I, I thought it was a great episode. I was asking the question so I can say that. What else do we have before we cut for the day, Adam? We have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where you'll see the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast starring Corey Wright. Fantastic show. Some great episodes lately. We also got the Livewire. This is our weekly mailer. We got VIP pre-sale projects in the residential space. We got them in the commercial space. We got deal of the month. There's no reason why you shouldn't be on this list. We also got private client services. And Matt, if you are not using PCS, you're standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You got sold prices, days on market. You basically have realtor level information. It's for free. It's available at your fingertips. Sign up on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I also want to give a shout out to the VCREP, the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast this week coming up because we got John Switzer talking. Uh, He's from um, Impact uh, Commercial. Impact Commercial talking about the mortgage rate increase and how that's going to impact the commercial market. I just got off that call with John, super insightful guy, lots of great takeaways. And uh, yeah, so check that out. That's coming out uh, Monday or Tuesday. And uh, yeah, Tuesday. it's uh, it's going to be fantastic. Okay. And if you want to talk about that or anything else real estate related, give me a call 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can give me a try at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Two faces for radio. Subscribe today.